Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Gillian Armstrong was one of the new generation of directors to put Australia on the world stage during the 1970s and 80s. She was a key in the new wave of filmmakers that came out during the 70s. Her two films, My Brilliant Career and Starstruck, put Australia onto the global cinema stage. In My Brilliant Career, made in 1979, Armstrong paints a picture of rural life and the high life of society. Creative and headstrong Sibylla must overcome societal class norms of marriage and the hindrance of being beleaguered by a man's overpowerment. She dreams of becoming a famous writer despite the objections from her family. When she moves in with her rich grandmother, she meets the dashing Harry, played by Sam Neill, and wins him over. But when he proposes, she must choose between romantic love or the brilliant career she craves. In her second film venture, Starstruck, made in 1982, follows a similar course, but instead of a Victorian setting, we get the glam pop musicality of the 1980s. A Sydney teen tries to make it as a rock singer with the help of her 14-year-old brother. Today, we're going to be talking about my brilliant career and... Starstruck. 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 <laughs> uh, oh my catchy tune. I'm gonna tell you right now, those were catchy. Like I, I I thoroughly enjoyed Starstruck actually. I didn't think I would going into it, but it was a lot of fun. I, I remember you texted me and said it was quite a strange film. Um and it was. It was. <laughs> it took a while to get into it because at the beginning of the film, you're like, what is this? And then you have to just kind of accept it for what it is. And it's just a quirky Australian movie. It's got that very dry sense of humor that a lot of Australian films have. Kind of reminded me of British dry humor, very similar to that. And the humor is very dry and just it's very self-aware. Yeah, Jillian definitely, after she made my brilliant career, she was like, all right, the gloves are off now. I'm just going to go go to town and make something super wacky and wild. You know, she went from very proper and primitive to... Let's just have some fun. Yeah, because with My Brilliant Career, it's showing the life of this girl starting from having nothing and then is given the chance to be a part of society. And then she inevitably then goes back to her roots and refuses to marry to advance her societal class. My Brilliant Career takes place in their early 19th century and was a film about this girl who wants to just be a writer and she wants to have a career. And as far as a feminist viewpoint, it's prime example of a feminist movie because for the time the film was made in 1979 and Gillian Armstrong was really part of that whole new wave of film directors in Australia during the 70s and the 80s that pushed Australian cinema into the more global market. Really at the time they were really just known for all these very art house type films and didn't really have a very commercial success around the world until directors like Gillian Armstrong or George Miller or even Peter Weir came along and really pushed Australia's cinema into the global market. So with my brilliant career, Gillian addresses what it was like to be a woman in rural Australia, basically in the bush, as they say. Almost got like a Cinderella-esque type feel from the film itself with how she's portrayed. Yeah, because she's given that chance to then go live with her grandmother, who she's very surprised even remembers that they even exist because she's stuck in this family that they have pretty much nothing except the farm. And that's their life is to take care of the livestock, 
just work the farm, have kids and get married and just work the farm to have more farmhands, basically. And so when she gets the invitation to come live with her grandmother and her aunt, she relishes the fact that she's come into high society. And at the time, it's also showing how Australia adapted a lot of the social class structure of England, especially Victorian England, and they capture that harsh contrast between poor and rich, and there's no in-between. It's really fascinating because the overall landscape they were kind of going for in my brilliant career was very Monet, Claude Monet inspired, and also Arthur Streeton and Tom Roberts were two Australian painters at the time that they also looked at for the overall color palette and costume design of the film because they really wanted to portray that Victorian England as opposed to very rural Australia. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that uh, theme I got out of this is uh, kind of it's kind of even still not near as common today, right? But it's the marriage over career thing for women, right? Because she has two opportunities to basically say yes to Harry. And the first one, she says, no, I need to do this. I need to do my career. And the second time, again, he, you know, returns and he thinks, well, I gave you some years, you know, now, you know, it should be a yes. He's expecting a resounding yes. And she says, no, you know, I'm going to focus on my career. And I think that's very, that, that was a rare thing to, to put on screen at that time. The feminist movement was prevalent at that time, but I think in cinema, a lot of films were exploring this side of feminism because you have this very strong-willed main character in Sibylla. And she, yeah, as you said, like she puts her career over marriage. She doesn't accept Frank, who's the kind of weird, creepy dude who kind of follows her around at the beginning of the film once she gets to her grandmother's house. And she immediately pushes him into the sheep pen, which is, it's interesting how they use livestock, the way it's seen in the film. It's used as kind of a symbol for what the main characters going through at the time. At the beginning, we see Sibylla writing and we hear her reading out loud what she's writing to pen and paper. And then it switches over to her seeing what's outside her window. And we see these two men struggling with some cattle. And it represents that struggle that she's going through at the time of whether she wants to follow her dreams and and have a career or to be stuck in the life that she's been dealt. Then at the very end of the film, the baby calf that she saves, she's very nurturing towards it and it's less of a struggle and she's able to get it out. But then we see the carcass of the dead cow in there as Sam Neill's character comes in to frame and then covers it, which kind of represents denying him marriage. It feels like to me, a lot of artists really never get married or you know, relationships are not as pursued, I feel like, is in other other career paths. And then, you know, that's maybe just coming from mine. But, you know, people that I know that are in the entertainment industry or the arts, a lot of them, you know, are are not married. They, you know, they might have somebody that they're, you know, with, but they're not married or whatever. And I, I don't know. I feel like that this film encapsulates that. And also, 
for me, both of the films, and I know we'll get to Starstruck in a bit, but they both encapsulate the artist's journey in different ways, in very different ways. This film is a lot more, you know, you're doing it on your own. It's, you know, not modern like Starstruck is. It's a lot more rural. You're, you know, out. Turn of the century. Yeah. Exactly. The struggle at that time for women was I felt they weren't given as many opportunities to push their careers in the right direction because society expected them to just stay home and watch the kids, which is a very archaic societal norm that didn't come into fruition until like the 60s and 70s, where you had this big social upheaval of women wanting rights and being heard. Jillian Armstrong really made that contrast between Starch struck and my brilliant career they're two very different films in that respect i feel my brilliant career is like the forerunner to what starstruck became because we really see jillian playing around with certain archetypes in the story that she sets you know a very strong female lead character that doesn't take shit from no one has a mind has a voice of her own that she then tries to navigate in this male-dominated world. And Sam Neill's character really represents that kind of male chauvinistic world. Your duty is to be married and take care of the house and the family, which we've seen before in the films we've watched. It's a universal theme. A lot of directors, they have something to say about it, especially female directors, because in their own right, they also have a voice and they have something to say. And they're making a social comment of what the world was and where it needs to go and how we need to change it. Because uh, I've, I've never really watched any of Jillian Armstrong's films, and I've always kind of heard her in kind of like my periphery when talking about Australian directors and such, because everyone knows George Miller and Peter Weir because, you know, they did the Mad Max films. Peter Weir did Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. So they're big directors, big Hollywood directors now. And even like Baz Luhrmann, who did Moulin Rouge, which without Jillian Armstrong, we would not have Baz Luhrmann or Moulin Rouge. When you're talking about Starstruck, it's it's a musical, very Australian musical, let's put on a show type of movie. And Jillian Armstrong really set the stage at the time. No one really had done anything in Australia like that type of film especially a musical that kind of represents rebelliousness of the youth and coming into one's own career again, or a girl trying to find her voice and get out of being stuck in the social confines that she's in. Well, and I think you really summed it up very well there. Starstruck is Jillian kind of revolting against, against that, what, you know, what she should be making. Like, you know, with my brilliant career, it's, it's a safer film. You know, it's much more, like I said, not modern-esque time period and everything. So there's only so much you can do. You can't have pink-haired people dancing around and lunch and neon. It just wouldn't fit in the time period, right? But she still has a similar message like we talked about in My Brilliant Career compared to Starstruck. But Starstruck is just so much more extravagant. And I feel like it's a lot more obvious, too, in the way she does it. We've had this conversation with other filmmakers doing one film not near as obvious as the other. And, and we kind of see that, you know, as a, once a filmmaker creates something and it's received well, they're like, OK, well, now I'm going to go for that big thing. You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to really just go all out there and put it all out there, you know, with my feelings and what I want to tell and convey to an audience. And I feel like that's what she did with Starstruck, and I think it hits every point that she was trying to make. Definitely, because it still has a very modern message to it where women should have a voice and they should push for themselves to be heard. I think with Starstruck, Jillian really 
focuses on that and brings it into fruition. And she's just more matured in what she's trying to say. She was also saying that with Starstruck, she kind of subconsciously also with her character, she has a kind of archetype in her lead characters where they're redheaded, they're very, and they're kind of put on this picturesque deity type of playing field. With my brilliant career, we always see Sibylla kind of highlighted, her hair is always highlighted, glowing you know, to accent her red hair and to contrast with her very pale face. And that kind of came up also in Starstruck where, you know, the main character, you know, like she has red hair and it's kind of like that's her archetype for the modern feminist heroine. I think one of the first things we have to talk about is the music. And I think it's time to do the time warp again, Elliot. Oh my gosh. Those of you who are fans of Rocky Horror will notice a direct theme from Rocky Horror in Let's Do the Time Warp Again. <laughs> so I know I, I got a great singing voice. Uh, so the same guy who wrote Rocky Horror, Richard O'Brien, wrote the songs. So that's why, you know, the theme of Time Warp pops up in this film, which I was like, once it came on, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm singing along to it. Oh, well, lyrics are different. It's just the same melody and such. Another reason why this film looks so much like Rocky Horror Picture Show is because the production designer was Brian Thompson, who was uh, the production designer for Rocky Horror Picture Show. They very much correlate in that very kind of quirky, almost schlocky musical and very glitz and glam type of feel. Even with Rocky Horror Show, which I just recently saw, you have very glitz, glam. It became a cult classic. Starstruck, you can see some of the influences that Rocky Horror had uh, to this film particularly because Rocky Horror was done in 1975. This was done in 1982. And you see some of the influences Influences Rocky Horror kind of set the stage for. Starstruck's just like a continuation of those themes. It was interesting to hear Jillian saying that when they first had the music, that they sent it out and they basically got the feedback that this is terrible, this sucks. And they're like, okay. So, um, and then that's when they got, you know, everybody else involved to rewrite things and stuff. But they actually did salvage a couple songs. They just reworked the melodies and stuff. And that's where, you know, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show individuals come in. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were also saying like they had a bunch of bands audition for the tunes that they wanted. And the swingers at first, like they thought, oh, they don't, they weren't really interested. And it seemed like the manager was more interested in the film. And then like a few months later, they got a tune from the band that became the Starstruck theme, actually. It's it's Starstruck. And it's so catchy. And they immediately, Jillian and, and the producer loved it. And they were like, send us more. We want more. So, you know, the, the swingers, that's how the swingers kind of came into being very much showcased in the film because they had this very pop vibe that they were going for in the film. And I, I think that really comes through because especially in that opening sequence when they're in the club and Joe and her brother, when she's in the kangaroo suit and all the people are in unison dancing together to the tune. And it's just the choreography is a little dated, I will say that, for the film. It feels very staticky, but I think they were trying to portray the rigidity of the society, too, with that kind of feel, because it's like the coming of age where everyone, you know, Joe really represents that uh, social commentary where 
she represents the modern feminist. She represents that change towards going into a modern society. Yeah. And, you you know, you're talking about the, the choreography and the dancing being dated. I, I found it interesting to know that neither Joe nor uh, Ross O'Donovan had ever danced nor acted before. Yeah. These are no name actors, the chemistry between the two, you believe that they're brother and sister, even though it sometimes it feels like uh, at one point it was kind of confusing because I thought they were like cousins. And then I was like, no, wait, they're saying brother and sister. They're a brother and sister. But it, it it's a great representation of family and, and the conflict that happens within a family because, you know, the brother sees his sister growing up and going for what she wants in life and leaving him behind. And he doesn't like that. It was so interesting watching this film because when I was back home uh, for the break, I watched a film called Fighting With My Family. It came out, I think it was like maybe a year or two ago now. And it basically follows the life of a woman getting into the WWE. And it has a very similar story to Starstruck, actually, you know, that she comes from a very small, you know, close knit family. They own a they own a wrestling ring as opposed to a pub in this one. Right. But it kind of covers her whole journey and how you can get to stardom. But I, fa- I found it interesting because, man, like Starstruck is a lot like this film. And this film, you know, came out a year or two ago, but it, it has the exact same storyline and plot just, you know, with, of course, different characters and different circumstances. But I was like, wow, that's really cool. I'm noticing that more and more now as I watch these older films, that more current films, you know, it's like, oh, I see some of this and that and this and that. It's just a really cool thing to see how art carries over. Yeah. Everyone, you know, really draws upon past history, especially if you want to be a successful filmmaker, you have to draw upon the past because these directors have become the forerunners of modern film and have given voices to the voiceless. And I think Fighting With My Family, yeah, like has that similar structure to it. What I thought was really cool about Starstruck was also that they show show business that rise to fame in a a very interesting way in the fact that when they're in the pool, the pool scene when she's swimming with the lifeguards and the lifeguards, very strange scene, but beautifully choreographed. And the allegory of the sharks that the lifeguards are holding represents what the character is going through at the time because she's having like second thoughts on whether this is the career path she wants and if she's going to get swallowed up by show business and just being used as a thing rather than having a individual voice of her own because you know when she's asked to be on the tv show at first they immediately tell her what to wear they tell her what to sing they tell her what the dance moves are and she you just have she has this very rigidity to her in the dance moves and how she's singing rather than if she were singing her own songs and we don't see that until the very end when she's able to play with the band she wants because they even dismiss her own bandmates so i thought that was a really great example of show business too i'm glad you mentioned that because one of the biggest points i've pulled from this whole movie was the way fame tries to change you so it's really interesting this movie came out in 1982 and here we have a time right now where you have, you know, these YouTube artists and things like that who don't have a label. I, I know of one off the top of my head. He's a rapper. His name is Dax. His old mantra is we are the label. And like you said, you know, labels will try to turn you into, you know, what you are not, you know, because they have the ultimate control. But you're seeing it more and more now. And I, I found it with this film, too. It's like be who you are. 
don't you don't have to sacrifice your yeah you don't have to sacrifice yourself for the business because eventually those opportunities will come to you in whatever form or fashion like with you know Dax like I'm saying he's built his whole following just by being himself and being his own pretty much marketing he does all his own marketing you know he's his own manager there there is no you know higher power and control there's no record label or anything in control of him and that's instantly when I saw the scene where they change her and it made me think of him and I was like wow this is this movie was made back in 1982 and here we are in 2000 and you know 21 now where we have artists that don't have labels and are becoming you know big just because of their ability to show their talent and who they are we're not in a time as much now where you need that label or that thing because there's so many avenues to be able to express yourself through creativity and your art that you can get you noticed and found besides just having to sign with, you know, a major record company or whatever it may be and whatever aspect of art you're chasing or pursuing. Yeah, we have more opportunities to express ourselves. And Starstruck is a great example of the struggle of the artist and what it means to overcome those obstacles that are put forth in front of them. That theme of struggle is prevalent in both films because she's fascinated by that, wetting her feet in that genre. And then Starstruck just kind of amped it up to the next level. And then it kind of all culminates in her next film later on in her career, Little Women, which she did with uh, Susan Sarandon, which is funny because Susan Sarandon was also in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is, <laughs> it's all, it all kind of connects, you know? <laughs> it all connects. So it, it, it's, well, that's sh- that show business, everyone, you know? For me, I think Starstruck Starstruck is of all the films we've watched, and I know I've said this. This is one of those those hot takes by Trevor, is what you want to call it. Hot takes by to. Trevor. Throw it down, man. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I think this is one of my personal favorites we've watched, and it's yes, I love the music and I love the whole spectacle, and I didn't expect to enjoy the film when I watched it, but I think because of the the message it has about artists is what I really connect to, and about having dreams, and one of the quotes that I got was dream about a thing and work at it. It happens. I think that there is some truth in that, you know, because normally, you know, there's difference between dreams and goals, right? Goals are a long-term thing. Dreams are something you'd love to happen, but you're not sure if they'll quite happen. But I feel like anything is really possible if you, if you work at it, right? There, there is that possibility, you know, with, with Jackie, her character at the, at, at first it's, you know, to be a star and, and to be famous and, you know, being pushed by, Angus uh, to get to that point when she finally does she realizes it's not really what all she thought it was would be and it it sacrifices who she is to to be able to be put on that pedestal and she doesn't like it but then when her you know family's pub comes in danger it's like that's what it's about it's about providing for the people that have been there with you since the very beginning same with fighting with my family same with I feel like most people right like we get into the art because we love it it started that whole trend of the family struggle with a positive ending you know we want to see our family unit overcome conflict and i think the the appeal that starstruck had was that whole sense of exoticness of it being an australian film and also we're seeing an exotic family conflict that has appeal you know we we have very relatable characters especially in the grandmother who's kind of like the family matriarch just trying to hold it <laughs> all together fantastic. she's and and the great thing the the brilliant thing about jillian armstrong in her casting she gets these great character actors and she started a lot of careers for a lot of now hollywood stars sam neill judy davis in starstruck jeffrey rush is actually in it 
it, you you kind of just miss him, but he plays the TV show manager, the guy who's kind of like coordinating all of the stuff. And he ends up coming out on the right before the band is about to go on. He comes out and, and, lays and, trying, <laughs> and he lays down on the floor. That's Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> and I just found that out today. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's he's like a kid there. Like Jillian really got a lot of careers started for these actors, you know, especially Sam Neill. You know, he's now, you know, gone on to do. Jurassic Park and a ton of other films. Uh, Jeffrey Rush went on to do Pirates of the Caribbean. He's Bar- Captain Barbosa. These yeah. icons of Hollywood, you know, they all got their start. Even like, you know, Nicole Kidman started somewhere or Hugh Jackman. They all started somewhere. But Hugh Jackman, you know, it's it's part of that Australian cinema history that not many people know of. Without these films, you wouldn't have a Sam Neill. You wouldn't have a Jeffrey Rush. You know, these films really propelled their careers, their brilliant careers. And oh, oh. <laughs> and I, I find that art imitates life. And in that sense, I think these films are good examples of that because they deal with a struggle of the artist and overcoming obstacles, as you had said, Trevor. And, you know, like that's always a theme that draws a lot of people in and people want to watch that. Well, yeah, because let's be realistic. The path of an artist to a successful career is it's not easy. Like it's it's honestly like, why do people try to be artists? You know, that's what we that's what I find myself asking myself as an artist. Like, why am I doing this? Right. Then then I'm reminded of why I am doing this. Because it's not a, it's probably one of the hardest careers out there to do. I mean, just the artist within you wants to express themselves. And I think that artist within all of us, you know, wants to be heard, wants to be expressed. And we as humans, we want to take care of our families and and make sure they're okay, they're healthy, they're, you know, provided for, and that we also have a, we follow our dreams and we go for it and we want to have that kind of satisfaction that I've accomplished something in my life. And this is where I need to be in life to provide for my family or provide for myself even. A little bit off, uh, going going to a funnier point, because okay. <laughs> I had to write this down. Yes. And that was deep. That was deep. I, I, I like Trevor funny points. On the, on like the funny Film point. Detectives podcast. Yes. <laughs> we get serious sometimes. Only sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so the, the scene I was... Basically, when Julian Armstrong was talking about the final scene, we know they filmed the big ballad at the end with everybody singing Starstruck. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the monkey, the name of the monkey song, but it's super catchy. And yeah, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen it and Elliot knows what I'm talking yeah. about. So the monkey song, I found out they didn't film that, of course, in the the you know opera house like they had talked about. Right. Where it was supposed to be happening. They filmed it in a school with a bunch of screaming girls and. So they they hired they had bouncers, but they were extras to be bouncers just to, you know, make the scene look real. But Jillian was saying by the like couple takes in, the girls were getting so excited and and wanting to storm the stage that the people that were extras that were bouncers had to become actual bouncers to keep the girls away from the stage. And I found that so hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's like, you know, they, they just got so wrapped up in the moment. I, I think they have a, a certain pride was given to these films like when they're made because it's like it's a part of our cultural history in Australia, you know, or it's a, that's what I think Jillian was trying to say with these films. It's it's who we are. This is what I represent as an Australian director. That sense of 
who you are. And I think that rubbed off on the cast, especially in Starstruck, because, you know, you had a lot of these character actors and and some people who had never acted before. You know, they had to really bond together and become a family unit to get through shooting and also learning choreography together. And then when they went to shoot that choreography, it had a very natural feel to it because they had been rehearsing for so long together that they really bonded together, which I thought was very Cool, because that does happen on film shoots where, especially when you're thrown in with people you don't really know and you have to all bond together to achieve a goal, much like the film, you have to all bond together to overcome something. Yeah, I feel like that's common commonplace in you know any production or any big thing you're doing. You, you At the end of it, you become a family because you all put your heart and soul into what you're doing. So my, my theater director back in college, uh, Micah Gooding, shout out to Micah Gooding, one of, the, one of the best directors I ever had, would always tell us that when we were creating a show, that was the baby, right? And each stage of the show was the baby in a different form you know it was growing and by the end when the show happened we basically had the baby was born and that was our baby that was what we were taking care of and that i've always kind of carried that with me that every set i'm on or every opportunity i get to work and collaborate with artists or just people in general it's like all it's not one person making all of this everybody together created what you see on a screen or on a stage or in a you know wherever or whatever it is right it's a collaborative effort and that's that's what I've always grabbed. And that's what I grabbed out of this film, too. And especially with her interview saying that those extras and stuff, they had never acted before and never danced before or anything like that. And they got closer together because they were dealing with something that they had never experienced. So that allowed them all to grow closer together. And she was saying when they were doing scenes, like you said, they just had the time to they didn't have to worry about that. They were so relaxed and at ease and everything. I think that's a beautiful explanation of how the collaborative effort works in art in general in anything for that matter another thought i just had on starstruck was the way jillian armstrong portrays the glitz and glam or the the contrast between societal differences the way she portrays those in her films you know we see that very prevalently in my brilliant career but in starstruck it's very subtly done because we have the family who owns the pub and there it's kind of got this very rustic everyday suburban neighborhood and then the kids wanting to try to get out of that and further their career and get into the glitz and glam of show business you know we see that then at the you know the bar or the uh uh stage where they're shooting the tv specials for these bands and such and you they get wrapped up in it and inevitably are able to overcome the obstacles that are put forth in the uh in front of them and you know I, I, that contrast is brilliantly done just the way they shoot uh the scenes because we see you know especially after the brother and his mates run off and sing and stuff and we see them drive away in in like this jalopy type of van that the band drives in and it has this very like you know, they're like almost like traveling nomads in a way. But again, you know, they don't have much, but they have character and they have depth to their own characters. And it's shown through, you know, the production design. It's shown through the costume design and and how they contrast those societal norms. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, what we can say about this, we always, you know, apply it to the humanity at the end, because like we say always, art is part of our humanity, you know, right? That 
working together is so much more beneficial and pays off in such a better way than trying to do it alone. And you can see that for sure in Starstruck, it's a little bit different because the artist journey in in, uh, My Brilliant Career is a little bit more of just herself with herself. But if you can have that support in your journey, whatever it may be, that's that's everything. That's truly everything because that's what most people are missing. You know, that's why people want to give up in regards to what they're chasing or going after because they don't have that support. So if this is a little off the cuff, but if you uh, you know, if you have that opportunity, encourage somebody about that because these films really encouraged me personally. If you like this episode, follow us on social media at Film Detectives for further news and upcoming shows. Join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.